All right. Well, good morning again, everybody. I want to start out this morning with a story, true story about a guy, sort of a hero of the faith, somebody that I've loved learning about, probably an individual that was used more than anyone else uh, by God in the 19th century. He was just a regular kind of guy, as you'll see in just a minute. His, his name was D.L. Moody. How many have heard the name Moody before, right? A name that, that, that comes to mind, but I, I don't know if you know much of his backstory, so I'm going to kind of walk you through it. But early on in Moody's life, uh, he was heard a call, a kind of a challenge by a guy by the name of uh, Henry Varley in England. And this encounter uh, totally changed uh, Moody's life. It was, here, here's the words that he heard that kind of just stuck in his heart and would, would later come back and be sort of the driving force of his life. Here's the quote from Mr. Varley. The world has yet to see what God will do through one man, through a man who was fully consecrated or committed to him. Deal Moody heard these words and God used it to really change his life. Moody's sort of a perfect example of a person whose availability was greater than his ability. He's a picture of what happens when a normal, ordinary person links up with God and becomes partners with him. And, and man, I'll, I'll tell you, God used him in incredible ways. A little backstory here. He was born in 1837 in Massachusetts to an extremely poor family. His father died when he was, uh, when uh, his father was 41 years old, leaving Moody, his brothers and sisters, and his mom in extreme poverty. In fact, they were so poor that creditors actually came and, and repossessed everything they owned, including the firewood that they had to keep warm by. Isn't that incredible? I've never heard of this kind of stuff before. Extreme poverty. Her, their mom, uh, in an effort to just stretch things and make things work, would actually uh, have their have the kids take off their shoes and socks on their way to church as they walked to church because she wanted to keep them, right? They didn't, she didn't want them to wear out or to waste that. So they'd walk barefoot until they were within sight of church and they'd stop and they'd put their shoes and socks back on as a way to do it. They were extreme, living in extreme kinds of poverty. Deal Moody, out of uh, this incredibly poor background, became actually a really successful businessman. He, he, uh, he became one of the top shoe salesmen of that day out in the East. He was actually led to Christ in the back of a shoe store uh, by a, 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 a Christian named Mr. Kimball. Anyway, Moody, Moody after he uh, came to Christ, immediately began being interested in the church, thinking, man, I, I want to be a contributor. I want to be a player. I want to do my part uh, for the kingdom of God. And so he uh, actually took a membership class, but because he was illiterate, he ended up failing the membership class. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been through a membership class at a church before or something kind of like it. It's kind of hard to fail, but for whatever reason, uh, he, he did. He ended up failing, had to go back through it again the next year and they let him in but they let him in with the, the stipulation that they thought that he was illiterate about the things of God that's a quote we're like okay well we'll let you in but we don't think you really deserve to be here was almost that kind of uh, way they were saying it then a, a few months later he actually shocked everyone within his church by saying that he had a real strong sense that God was calling him to sell his business at age 30 and actually work for God full-time as a layman they were, they were shocked. They tried to discourage him. Uh, they didn't want him to do it. In fact, one of the first times he actually got up in front of a group of people in his local church and uh, gave, a, gave a talk, one of the leaders walked up to him afterwards and said, and I quote, I think you can best serve God by remaining silent for the rest of your life. Can you believe that? Another guy came up to him and said, Mr. Moody, you offend me with your poor grammar. To which uh, Moody uh, humbly replied, uh, I realize that my grammar is very poor. He said, you seem to have 
very good grammar, don't you? And the guy said, well, yes, I have excellent grammar. And Moody looked right back at him and said, well, tell me, what are you doing for God? End of the, converse, end of the conversation. <laughs> anyway, he was in Dublin, Ireland, Sometime later, when he, when he was reminded of the, the words again of Mr. Varley, in fact, he was sitting on a bench in a public park and remembered the words, the world has yet to see what God will do with and for and through and in and by the man who is fully consecrated, fully committed to him. Now, let me just read a quote out of, uh, uh, from, from one of a, a book from Moody, a, This is a quote of kind of his response. He said, at this moment, he said this. He said, a man, what God can do through a man. He didn't say a great man. He didn't say a learned man. He didn't say a smart man. He just said simply a man. He said, I am a man. And it lies within me whether I will or will not make uh, this full consecration to God. And then he said with all of his heart, he said, I will do my best to live my life to be that man. And he was. God used him to change the world of his day. It's incredible. Now, I want you to think about this. This is a day before the internet, right? It's a day before TV was popularized. It's a day before that. He shared the gospel through his life with 100 million people in that day. Is that not incredible? He saw millions and millions and millions and millions of people come to faith in Christ. He was used to really transform part of our country in that era. It was incredible. If you, if you follow the ripples from his ministry, uh, he led people to, to Christ that led people to Christ that led Billy Graham to Christ, right? That, 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 that led Billy Sunday to Christ. Evangelists who themselves shared the gospel with millions and millions and millions of people. His, his, the impact of his ministry is perhaps unparalleled since maybe the apostolic age, right? The, the age of the first apostles. It's, inc- it's incredible to see the way that God used an ordinary guy who took seriously what God had entrusted to him. And I found myself wondering this week, if God can do that through, through somebody that, that flunks out of membership class at church, somebody that gets up in front of others and they think, don't ever do that again, right? And they, somebody that's uneducated, somebody that comes from extreme poverty, if God can use somebody like that who just has a heart that's wide open for God saying, God, would you use me? Whatever I have is yours. Would you use me for your purposes? If he can take somebody like that and use him to transform the world, I wonder what God could do through you. I wonder what God could do through me, through, through those of us that would be brave enough to say, God, I'm all in. I, I want to use my life. What you have entrusted to me, I want to put to full use for your kingdom purposes. I want to live for you. Well, today we're launching a new series here at Ignite called Entrusted. And this series is based on the idea that you and I have been entrusted with time, with talents, with treasures, with abilities, with relationships, with opportunities, etc. And God has a special plan and a special purpose to use them in you to impact the lives of those around you. He can and will use you in incredible ways for his purposes if you let him. It's going to be a great series today. I just want to kind of set up the whole series and talk a little bit about using your talents for his purposes. And we're going to learn about this from a passage in uh, Matthew. It's right from the lips of Jesus. It's a parable. Matthew 25. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them up. I'm sorry. You can probably hear my voice is a little creaky today, so I apologize for that. But but stick with me. I'll try to make it as... as, uh, 
understandable as possible. Matthew 25, it's a parable known as the parable of the talents. Uh, And so we're going to read through that together and learn um, some different lessons. Matthew 25, starting with verse 14, says this. Again, this is a story that Jesus is telling for a purpose. He says, again, it, meaning the kingdom of God, life with God, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five talents, it means literally, or bags of gold. To another, two talents or bags, and to still another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five talents, five bags of gold, went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received only one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master again replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Don't you like my low voice today? Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. (laughs) It's like more dramatic or ominous or something. That's a frightening ending. I want to actually hit the pause button and talk about the ending before we go back for the big picture, okay? So uh, the reason being is I think it would be real easy to sort of misinterpret this last part as as saying, and and maybe the whole whole passage and whole parallel, uh, parable, excuse me, is saying, you know what the problem is, is that this is teaching that if you do enough good things, right, you take what God has entrusted to you and you put it to work for his kingdom, then you will earn or deserve heaven, then you'll earn or deserve God's favor, then you'll earn or deserve God's love, forgiveness, pick one or two or three other words and and fill them in his blessing, his abundance, his whatever. And I just want to say nothing could be further from the truth. This, This 
parable actually shows up in a whole series of parables. And one of the commonalities as they're talking about, there's this distinction that runs throughout this entire part of Matthew that's talking about um, the real, real Christ followers versus sort of a counterfeit Christ follower. Uh, somebody that looks Christian, maybe refers to themselves as Christian. Maybe they go to church. Maybe they believe in the concept of God. Maybe they try to live a really good life or be a really good person or whatever, but they still haven't really opened up their heart and life to Christ. They're not really living their life for him and with him, right? So they're not in Christ. There's a distinction that happens. And what what Jesus is getting at in this passage is not that if you work hard enough, you can please God. That's not it at all. His, His point is that this is just what happens for Christ followers, for people that have opened up their hearts and lives to Christ, who have cried out and said, Jesus, I need you. I'm a mess. I'm a wreck without you. I have blown it again and again and again without you. Would you come and would you fill me and forgive me and lead me and guide me and be my God? He says, to that kind of person, you want to know what their life is going to be characterized by? It's going to be characterized by a commitment to take what has been entrusted to them and to live that out and to pour that out for God's purposes, for God's kingdom in the lives of those around them. They will bear fruit. You with me? It's not a salvific kind of thing. It's a fancy word. It's not a salvational kind of thing that if you do this, then God's going to be pleased with you. No, the Bible's incredibly clear. Jesus has already paid the price for our sins. If we have opened up and put our, our trust in Jesus, then God is pleased. <laughs> then God has forgiven you. Then God sees you with love, 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 right? This is just the way that Christ followers live their lives. They'll just naturally invest their lives and their talents and their abilities and their gifts in such a way that it advances God's purposes in this world. All right, so with that, I'm, uh, I just want to zero in on kind of three lessons, big, big picture lessons from the, uh, from the passage today. None of them are probably going to be jaw-dropping, but they're meant to be reminders, encouragement, and uh, maybe, you know, maybe a little butt-kicking uh, for all of us in one way or another. And so the first one is, is, uh, is pretty straightforward, but God, here's the first point, God has entrusted talents to you. He has given talents to you, which are to be used for his purposes, now, in this story, just kind of walking through it, God entrusts his servants with huge sums of money, piles of gold known as talents. And he leaves them in charge of this money while he goes on a long journey. They know that the master expects them to use what he's given them for his purposes, to put them to full use. A little background here, a talent, the word that's used for bags of gold, is a, is a huge sum of money. Some scholars estimate it could be as much as 10 to 20 years wages 10 to 20 years wages, do the math in your head, would be hundreds of thousands of dollars. The, the amount of weight of a talent would be about 80 pounds of silver or gold. Is that a lot of money? One talent, 80 pounds of gold. Do you think that's a lot of money? Okay, that's, that's pretty weak. 80 pounds, you guys don't want that? Because I just happen to have a bag of, no, I'm just kidding. But it's a huge sum of money, right? It's a huge amount of money that has been entrusted to them. Each servant was given a specific amount. <clears throat> one servant was given five talents of gold, one servant two, and another servant one talent of gold. Again, all of these are big sums of money, and they are charged to invest that money, to put it to full use so that when the master returns, he will get back more than what was invested. 
So the master goes away and two of the three get to work immediately. They start investing the money, trying to earn more. We don't know exactly how they do that. Maybe they go out and start a business, right? And they're doing a startup thing and they're working hard and they're praying their heads off going, God, please give us favor. Help us to to do a good job, to be faithful with what you've entrusted us. Who knows? Maybe they went out, maybe they're agrarian, right? So maybe they went out and bought seed and they took that seed and they, they sowed it. They put it in the ground. They you know, went through the whole harvest cycle a few times and they're, they're making more and more and more money. We don't know exactly what they did, but they were out working hard and each one of them ended up doubling their money. Linda, would you mind getting me a cup of coffee or water or something? I'm sorry. I'm trying. Thank you. But anyway, they end up doubling their money, uh, doubling what he has entrusted to them. And Jesus says, that's what it should be like with my followers. Even though this parable is using the imagery of money, it's sort of representational. Actually, the word that we use in English for that we get the word talent from, like a talent, like, hey, I'm talented or, or whatever, right? The word actually comes directly from this passage because we understand that it's sort of representational. Not only has God entrusted money into our care, but he has given us gifts and abilities. He's given us skills. He's given us sharp brains, right? Sometimes he's given us all kinds of talents and gifts and abilities that are to be used for his purposes. I'm sorry, is this bugging you? <laughs> I'm working hard here but that's where actually we get the word talent those are all things that have been given as a trust to you and me to be used for his purposes you and I have been entrusted with gifts with talents with resources with abilities that are to be used for his plans and not just for our own and when he returns According to this passage, you and I will have to give an account of how we've spent the capital of our lives. For those that have invested themselves into his plans, into his purposes, into living for his kingdom, wherever they're at. He says there will be great reward, Jesus says. Sort of an expectation. (laughs) Thank you so much. You are awesome. Oh, thanks. Oh, yes, look at this. This is like the church being the church. They're putting their talents to good use right here. (laughs) This this was all just an example, an illustration for you. (laughs) Well done. Yes, yes, well done, good and faithful servants. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. Anyway, you kind of get the picture here? is that God is in, is, has given a trust to you. And that's so hard. I mean, we, we tend to focus so much on our world right here that we tend to think, man, I've got skills. I've got abilities. Those, are, those should be used to advance my purposes and my agenda. It should bring me glory, right? It should, it should lead me up the stairway to success. It should lead to more and more and more money for me. And of course, does God also give those to us so we can provide for ourselves and our families? Sure, of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But God has something more in mind. For those of us that would squander and use all of what he's entrusted to us just for me, 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 me. We'll get to it in a second, but there will be loss. Right? He said, I've given these things to you as a trust so that you can, you can accomplish the purposes I have for you in this life. Purposes that will make a difference in lives, in eternities, in seeing my kingdom come and my will be done on this earth. 
in the here and now. God has big plans for you, friends. He has given talents to you, big or small or in between. He's given a significant trust to you, and he has big plans for you. I don't care who you are. I don't care how little you think your talents are. It's a significant trust that, like Moody, he can use to change the world. I hear so many people, uh, even Christ followers, I think, struggle with lack of purpose. And, and I, I understand it to some degree. They're like, man, I spent 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 hours, you know, punching, you know, punching in, punching out, standing behind a machine, sitting behind a computer, doing the same thing day in and day out. And, and it can lead to a sense of purposelessness. And I get that on the one hand, but on the other hand, I just have to say, I, I kind of want to scream out and just remind us sometimes, are you kidding me? There are no accidents. God has put you in that place. He has specifically wired you and gifted you and called you to that place to make a difference for his kingdom. It could be that you're standing on the factory line doing the same thing day in and day out. And God has put you there to impact those around you. You might be the first uh, evangelist in your plant ever. You might be the first person that loves and serves and brings Jesus and the light of Christ into that place. Who knows? Doesn't matter if you're a carpenter, a painter, an executive, or anything in between. God has put you there for a purpose. He's got, he has given things into your trust, talents to be used for his purposes. All right, let's, um, Let's keep going. Are we good on that one? I think I think I've made the point well enough. Let's keep going. The second one is is like it, but I just want to I just want to hit it real quick. Put that next one up if you would. But you have a unique, a specific and unique role to play in God's plan. One of the things that I absolutely love and I think sometimes we get frustrated about in this kind of story is that Jesus gives different amounts of talents to different people based on what they can handle. What I like about this is that it's customized, right? This isn't just a cookie cutter, one size fits all. Jesus doesn't just give everybody the exact same thing and say, okay, y'all have to do the exact same thing. You have to live the exact same. He's given specific talents and abilities to you based on who you are, based on what he's asking you to do, based on the purpose that he has for you. You and I are not responsible for what's been entrusted to anybody else. We're not responsible for comparing. We're not responsible to envy. We're not responsible of feeling like we have nothing to offer. God has a unique plan for you. He has given you specific opportunities, specific gifts, specific abilities that are unlike anybody other, any other person's. They are customized specifically for you. And so often I think we end up um, thinking we're dis- or kind of disqualifying ourselves or something. We end up thinking that, well, because I don't have the kind of talents that that, that person has. You know, I'm no Edward, right? I'm, I'm no, I'm no Tamika. I'm no, I don't, I don't have the kind of gifts that they have. And therefore my contribution doesn't really matter. What could God really do through me? I'm just ordinary. I think sometimes we think that way. We think, well, I don't have upfront kinds of gifts. Maybe I don't have talents and abilities that make me a good speaker. Maybe I don't have talents and abilities that make me a good leader or a good this or a, a that or the other thing. And what I think God's reminding us a little bit in this passage is you don't have to, right? He has a specific 
He specifically gifted you for what he's asked you to do. There's all kinds of examples. Let me share a few more stories. All kinds of examples of, of this kind of thing. I remember being at a church a number of years ago um, and hearing this single mom come up on the stage and she was sharing her, her uh, story a little bit about how she came to faith in Christ. And at the time, she was a single mom just trying to make ends meet and she uh, was working two different jobs. One of those jobs was pretty close by. The other job was several miles away. She didn't have a car and so she could easily get to the close by one. But the other one, she was trying to, I mean, she was constantly trying to arrange rides. She was trying to get a ride with a coworker. She was borrowing a car for a while. She was kind of going one thing after the other after the other, just trying to work that out. She was about to go nuts. There, uh, what it meant is more, more often than not, um, she would end up uh, walking to work in the rain, right? In the snow in January when it's 25 below zero or whatever. She was walking to work to, to try and get there. Well, in the midst of this, she's about at a rope's end. She starts going to this little church and... Um, and got it, got plugged into a little group of people who started to get to know her, started to care uh, about her, and, and kind of found out about what what she was doing in this need. And there was a couple guys in the group that were a couple of gearheads. <laughs> they loved cars. They loved to fix things. They just thought that way. They were wired up that way. And they ended up uh, getting getting a vehicle, finding a vehicle. Somebody was. going to trade theirs in on a new car, but instead they gave it to these guys. They ended up refurbishing the car and they gave it to this mom. Totally rocked her world. I mean, she was, even as she's sharing the story, she was bawling. I mean, she was just crying. She ended up opening her life to Christ pretty much on the spot saying, man, I've never, I have never received this kind of love in my life. And I hear stories like that and I think, well, man, God couldn't really use skills if you're just kind of like a gearhead kind of person, could, could he? He couldn't really do anything significant through you, could he? Just somebody likes to tinker, fix things, work as a mechanic. Man, God could use, God has entrusted you with those gifts for a purpose, and he won't waste it. If he's given you the gifts, keep your eyes open, because there will be opportunities that he'll, do, he'll use, uh, that he'll put before you, opportunities for you to use the talents he's given to you for his purposes. I shared once before story, um, by uh, but I love the story. It just keeps popping into my head. But um, he was, uh, he's a professor, and he's, I don't know, a writer and different things. And he was on an airplane one time uh, on an American Airlines flight, and there was this guy that was a total jerk, uh, like a row or two ahead of him. I mean, the kind of guy, he's mouthing off, he's opinionated, he's loud, he was rude, he was angry, he was complaining about everything. And uh, Hendrick says he watched as this uh, American Airlines stewardess um, kept coming coming and interacting with him. And she was just gracious and loving and merciful. She had phenomenal people skills. She could handle conflict in unbelievable uh, kinds of ways. And after watching this for about 20 minutes, she went back to the galley or whatever's in the back. Is it the galley? I don't know, whatever, but the back of the plane. And he followed her and he says this, he says, he says, I'm a regular flyer on American Airlines, and I am so impressed at how you've handled that rude man. I would like to write a letter to those in authority at American Airlines just as a way to say thank you so much for the great service, and I'd like to include your name if I can. And she said, well, I thank you for that, sir, but you need to understand that I don't work for American Airlines. He's like, what? You don't? She said, no, sir, I work for Jesus Christ. He's the one that helps me to be patient with people. (laughs) 
Isn't that great? An ordinary person, an ordinary stewardess who got up every morning and said, God, use me the way you've wired me up. I'm a people person. I love people. Could you use me to make a difference for your kingdom? I wonder what God could do. I wonder what God would do if you and I got up every morning and said, God, I want to live my life fully devoted to you. Would you take what you have entrusted to me? Would you give me opportunities today to use however you've wired me up to use them for your purposes? Imagine what God would do. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It doesn't matter how many gifts or how few gifts you have. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or in between. It doesn't matter uh, if you, you have the IQ of Albert Einstein or the IQ of a gerbil. God has plans for you, right? To bring his kingdom to, these, to this earth if you'll let him. Who you are, the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that you've been given have been uniquely entrusted to you to be used for his purposes. The resources he's given you, the relationships, the influence, the passions, those are all on loan to you from God. And as you align with him and surrender to him and follow him, he will give you amazing opportunities to use those things to move his kingdom forward. For those of us that are faithful to invest our lives into his kingdom and his plans, into loving God and loving others, loving God and serving others even, he says, at the end of your life, you will hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little. You've been faithful with what I've entrusted to you. So now I will put you in charge of more. Come and share in your master's joy. And hit the pause button for one second and just say, there are some of us, maybe a lot of us here that are living our lives this way, that are, that are serving and giving. Uh, I've, I've been reminded numerous times in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, how many of us serve and serve and serve and serve on a regular basis here at Ignite doing set up and tear down? We're three plus years in. Anybody tired ever? Anybody? I mean, does that ever get how many? How many times have we served in kids ministry, which means we're not in here? How often are, are we prepping or doing work behind the scenes administratively or whatever? How many people are serving on a regular basis? Statistically, a lot of our church and we give a lot of ourselves. And I just want to remind us, this is just a, a little bit of encouragement. Just hit the pause button and just remind us quickly today, for those of us that are really serving as a way to say, God, I'm yours. I want to use what you've entrusted to me for your kingdom's purposes. He says, you know what's in store for you? Well done. Well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful. Come and share in your master's joy. So I just want to hit the pause button again just one second to say thank you so much for the ways that you guys serve, for the ways you guys give to keep advancing the mission of Jesus here at Ignite, in our neighborhoods, in our community, and beyond. Unpause. <laughs> so third thing I'll just hit real quick is just the kind of the, the kick in the pants one is do something with what's been entrusted to you, right? The question that, again, I find myself asking as I'm reading through this passage. So the person that was entrusted with one talent, he kind of gets a harsh rebuke, doesn't he, in the story? And what is he rebuked for at the end of the story? 
Is it that he tried and didn't do any and didn't have success in what he tried? Is that what he's rebuked for? Is that what he's rebuked for? No. What's he rebuked for? He did nothing. nothing. Right? He did nothing. The cautionary part of the story, the part that's challenging a little bit to us and should maybe give us a little pause, <clears throat> is the one who squanders the talent that's been entrusted to him. The one who takes it and buries it in the ground. When the master returns, he digs it up, scrapes the mud off and says, here you go, here's your money. And the master says, where's the rest of it? Didn't you put it to work? Didn't you invest what I had entrusted to you? And he goes on with sort of his list of excuses. The servant replied, well, I was scared, right? I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to mess up. I wasn't sure I could do it. I didn't want to let you down. I was scared, so I, I just buried it in the ground. I didn't want to lose any of your money, so I played it safe. Besides, I didn't have that much anyway, right? I didn't have as much as the guy with five talents. I only had one talent. So it, in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't have made much of a difference anyway, would it? And besides that, it was kind of a busy season for me. I had my own affairs to think about. Who has time to worry about somebody else's uh, money? Who has time to, to, to argue and to, and to wrestle with and think about and work for somebody else? Uh, I, I'm plenty busy with my own life. No harm done, though. Here's what you gave me. Here's the money. It's no big deal. But hear this. I mean, according to this passage, wasting your one and only life, squandering what has been entrusted to you and to me is a huge deal to God right? It's a huge deal to God. His response to that servant is, you wicked and lazy servant. How could you do nothing? I entrusted you with hundreds of thousands of dollars with that talent. I gave you the training you needed, the skills you needed to do something with it. You could have done so much, but you wasted the opportunity. You kept it to yourself. You wasted what I entrusted to you. In effect, he's saying you wasted your one and only life. You weren't really thinking of me. You weren't thinking of how much I gave you or what my desire was. You were thinking about yourself. And the point, again, this isn't me. This is Jesus' point, right? The point that he's making here is do something with what's been entrusted to you. Live your life faithfully investing what he is, the opportunities, the gifts, the skills, the talents, the abilities, being faithful as much as we can, right, to live out our lives for him. Having eyes that are scanning the horizon, having a heart and, and you know, knees that are bent and prayers that are prayed saying, God, I want to live my life for you. Come and move your kingdom forward through me. Come and use what little talent, what little ability, whatever I have, it's yours, God, at work at the library, at school, wherever I am, would you use me to bring your light, to bring the hope of Jesus, to bring the life of Christ, to bring your kingdom to come and your will to be done. Friends, when we decide to live our lives like that for Christ and his kingdom, and we decide that we're willing to, to step out and to do something, to take a risk for his kingdom. We step out and, and we trust him. It leads to even greater fullness and joy and even rewards both now and in eternity. God uses us to impact others, to bring others into his kingdom. He use, uses us to have a big impact on those around us. Okay, well, as we wrap up here, let me just do a little bit of application and we'll be done for the day. 
first and foremost, it could be that you're here today and you're just kind of checking out Ignite, checking out God stuff. You're a little not sure on all this Jesus stuff and you're like, what the heck are you talking about? Talents and all this kind of stuff. And if that's you, uh, first of all, we are glad you guys are here today. Uh, glad you joined us. I, this is a great place to just kind of check out faith and check out Jesus stuff. And so we'd encourage you just to, to do that. Maybe today God is nudging you to take a step and to do something. Maybe just cracking open uh, God's book, right? And just learning who this Jesus guy is for yourself. Maybe that's the step that God's challenging you to take today. Maybe it's grabbing a cup of coffee with me or with another Ignite person and, uh, and just kind of exploring this, this Jesus stuff a little bit further. And if that's what God's prompting you to do, I'd encourage you to do that. Maybe you're here and maybe the truth be told, you're a little bit like, at least when you walked in today, you're a little bit like, you know what, I'm not sure God can really use me. I'm not sure I have that much to offer. I'm not sure. I mean, I've been living my life so far from God that I'm not sure he could ever use me again. I'm not sure he could forgive me. I'm not sure he could make me clean or whatever. God can do it for you or for somebody else, but I'm not sure he can do that in me. And if that's you, I wonder if you need to hear and be reminded of a couple of things this morning. Number one, I wonder if you need to just be reminded of that there's grace. There is an infinite number of grace. There's forgiveness available to any person who just turns back towards Christ and says, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you lead me and guide me? And would you use me from this point forward? The Bible teaches that as we put our faith and trust in him, whether for the first time or the 10,000th time, and we say, God, would you forgive? There's forgiveness. There's a new life. There's a fresh start for you this morning. There is no sin. There's no past that's too dark that God can't use you in the present and in the future. We talked about last week, right? God can't even use a donkey, right? He can use any, he can use anybody and he will as we open our lives and our hearts to him put our faith and trust in him. Maybe you're here today and uh, if, you're, if you're honest, you'd say, you know what, pretty much all of my time and energy and talents and whatever gets spent on me and my job and my family. And I'm not, I just don't, I just don't have much that I spend anywhere else. I put it all to work so that I can sort of get what I need and, and my life can be uh, better and all that kind of stuff. And if that's you, I wonder if God isn't just uh, nudging at you today as well and saying, you know what? It's good. Of course, I've given you those things to, to provide for you and to make a living and some of that kind of stuff. But I wonder if he wouldn't say as well that there are bigger fish to fry. He has greater plans. Yes, you can make a living at it, but what if God wants you to make a living for it and he wants to use you to transform lives and marriages and eternities and homes and generations through the way that you love people, through the way that you serve people, through ways that you get to speak and point people to Jesus. What if God has greater plans for you? Friends, I'm not sure what God's saying, but I know that we want to be people that do that. I want us to be a people that live for his kingdom. Yes, on Sunday, I want us to come and worship. I want us to come and learn and come and grow. I want our hearts to, to get filled up to overflowing. But also, I want us to be sent out on purpose, right? So that on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday too, we are living our lives for Christ. Imagine what God could do. Let's close in prayer. 
Father, that's our desire this morning. It's my desire. I hope it's our desire. God, we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our lives, God. On Sunday and throughout the week. May we live for you, God. Would you open our eyes to see the opportunities you're giving us? Sometimes what might even appear as a distraction, an interruption to our schedule or our days could be an opportunity that you are putting before us. Would you open our eyes to those? Would you teach us to love you and to love others at work and at school and at home and in our neighborhood, everywhere we go? you move your kingdom agendas forward. God, through us, through what you have entrusted to us, may we be faithful to use and to pour back out to see your kingdom purposes prevail. And we will do that and continue doing it and hang on the promise that one day we will be welcomed home and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, come and share in your master's joy. How we long for that, God. Keep our eyes fixed on you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.